Friday night with a low of 50. Stay tuned. Coming up next, special edition of Talking Talking Vets with uh, Veterans Affairs with Doug Sandberg. Stay tuned. Well, good evening. Welcome. Thanks for stopping by to this special edition of Let's Talk Vets here on your community radio station, WJFF. This program is produced by vets for vets, and I am your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg, USAF 1968 to 1972. Our mission, of course, is to provide news, entertainment, and information of particular interest to area veterans, active service members, and their families. Yes, you're right. We're a week late. Last week, three iconic events took place in our area. The annual 9-11 ceremonies were held at Rock Hill Fire Department in remembrance of those first responders and others who lost their lives in those cowardly attacks on our nation 9-11-2001. The American Veterans Traveling Tribute Wall was on display at Rock Park from September 11th to the 14th, and all of that was capped off by uh, the Sullivan County Volunteer Firemen's Parade. And uh, that was on the 14th with 30-plus fire departments, pride and dedication on full display, and dedication is the word when you consider that it rained and a lot of the first responders got wet. Our program is, as usual, dedicated to the 1%. I'm not referring to the super-rich who are often vilified for the crime of achievement. No, I'm talking about the men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces. In 1905, philosopher George Santayana coined the phrase, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Today, America is again at a tipping point. The polarizing president was elected primarily because so many citizens are disgusted with Washington norms, and it seems the principles upon which this country was built are being forgotten or rewritten to fit a new world order, whatever that is. There are those, it seems, who would embrace a system which is clearly antithetical to the American spirit, our Constitution, and traditions. Now, in hindsight, I think most people can say that Vietnam was ill-conceived as far as our involvement. And those who answered their country's call returned home just to be insulted and, in some cases, spat upon by those they were sworn to be protecting. And then there were those who did not return. Here are some facts you might find interesting. Conflict in Vietnam began in 1954 and ended in 1975. U.S. involvement began in March of 1965. 2,709,918 U.S. troops served in Vietnam. 304,000 U.S. troops were wounded in Vietnam. 
58,272 U.S. U.S. soldiers are estimated to have committed suicide. And it is estimated that about 700,000 vets, Vietnam vets, suffer from psychological trauma. I find it interesting that in the Vietnam conflict and associated military service have gone from being a seminal driver for the establishment of the counterculture movement celebrated at Woodstock so many years ago to a badge of honor for some who would be quick to, quick to claim that they served in Vietnam. No one understands what it's like to serve in the military unless you have done so. And indeed, no one is more reluctant to go to war than one who's been there. So to falsely claim to have served on the field of battle for whatever reason, to gain votes or any other reason, is aberrant to say the least. The American Veterans Traveling Tribute Wall is a two-thirds replica of the one in our nation's capital and dedicated to those 50,272 servicemen and women who made the ultimate sacrifice in Vietnam. However, we must never forget the sacrifices made by all of our vets and their families and in all other U.S. wars and conflicts. Ensure that the lessons of history are never forgotten and insist that succeeding generations are afforded an education which is historically accurate versus politically correct. And in the immortal words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say about that. We have for you tonight excerpts from the opening ceremony of the AVTT wall on 9-11. We have some comment and reaction from vets who visited that healing display and a great conversation with Joy Sennett of the Sullivan County chapter of Rolling Thunder, which, of course, led the escort for the wall from Woodburn Correctional to Rock Park on the 10th. This organization is dedicated to making sure that all service members who were left behind as prisoner of war, POW, or missing in action, MIA, are accounted for, and the remains of those who made the ultimate sacrifice are returned to their families and their homeland. But first, however, here's some notable dates in September. The 11th is Patriot Day. It's an annual observance on September 11th to remember those who were injured or died during the terrorist attacks on the United States, September 11th, 2001. September 18th, today, is the United States Air Force birthday. September 21st is POW, MIA Recognition Day. Set aside to remember those who were prisoners of war, POW, or those declared missing in action, MIA, as well as their families. And finally, the 29th is Gold Star Mothers and Family Day, and that day is set aside to honor families of our nation's fallen service members. I was privileged to be a member of the press and volunteer at the Rock Park on 9-11 and 9-12. We spent the afternoon on 9-11 talking with vets and trying to capture some of their feelings and comments about the war and the wall. And we'll hear some of those in just a couple of minutes. And I have to tell you here, kudos to the Sullivan County Veterans Coalition. I worked with them closely to develop uh, this program and to help them 
uh, in their project, and I can tell you they spent countless hours and I'm sure many sleepless nights on this project. Jim Sennett is the local president of the Sullivan County chapter of Rolling Thunder. He and his wife, Joy, have been key members since its establishment in 2005. This organization led the motorcycle escort of the ABTT wall from Woodburn Correctional to Rock Hill on the 10th. The interview you're about to hear was recorded around Memorial Day. Now, we had intended to obtain a companion piece with the National Rolling Thunder Organization pretty much to highlight what was apparently the final Freedom Ride on D.C. However, we were unable to make that happen. As a key part of the Sullivan County Veterans Coalition effort to bring the healing wall to Sullivan County, the local chapter of Rolling Thunder, under the leadership of Jim and Joy, rallied 98 motorcycles as part of the incoming escort to Rock Hill on the 10th. Hi, Joy. Welcome. Hi. How are you today? Good. Thanks. For, thank you for inviting us. We want to learn more about Rolling Thunder, and specifically we want to learn more about your chapter, the local chapter in Jeffersonville. So uh, you and your husband right. uh, founded the chapter? Um, no, not exactly. Um, we had a knock on the door one day from uh, uh, a gentleman from uh, Youngsville, who probably a lot of you know. It's um, Frank Bear. He had the idea to start a chapter. He was a Marine, and um, so he came to our house and asked us if we would be interested. So we said, yeah. So we started out with 10 members. When about was that? Um, it was in... 2005. So you started with 10 members. Right. What is what is Rolling uh, Rolling Thunder, the national organization, when did they come about and why? They came about in uh, 1988. They had their first uh, Ride for Freedom in D.C. Um, they had about 2,500 motorcycles. Uh, it was two, two veterans who um, decided to... Uh, bring about the issue of the POW-MIA movement. Um, so they they marched on D.C. with, like like I say, 2,500 cycles. Now it's up to about 900,000. That's, that's certainly growth. But, uh, again, getting back to their main mission, you mentioned uh, POWs and MIAs. Right. So what, what are they committed to do, Rolling Thunder? They're committed to uh, never forget and to bring back any of the remains for the POW, MIA mission. And they seem to be finding more remains all the time. And, of course, now with DNA and whatever, they can uh, verify who these people are. And it brings a uh, big relief to the families to know where their loved ones are ending up. Yeah, I was reading some of the, um, there's actually statistics from each war on the, national website. Very interesting. So you guys are one of six chapters in New York State. Right. Do you work with the other chapters uh, closely? Or do, uh, you, do you ever have New York State meetings? No. Okay. Um, now that's one of the things that's going to happen now um, because this year for the Freedom Ride in D.C. it's going to be the last one. Um, it's just becoming too expensive for Rolling Thunder to do anymore. 
and they're not getting the cooperation in D.C. like they should. Uh, we're going to start having uh, movements in each state. They're all going to get together, like our six chapters would get together in New York State and have a rally in a smaller basis. Um, the details aren't worked out yet because, of course, like I say, it's the last one this year will be in D.C. And when when is that? Uh, it's uh, Memorial Day weekend. Memorial Day weekend. Do you have any idea how many participants, how many writers there will be in it? Uh, this year, there's, I think there's going to be a lot more than normal because it is the last one and everybody you know keeps putting it off to go so what was normal um roughly it doesn't have normal to be. lately is about nine hundred thousand was the last wow count. so there should be well over a million this year huh? yeah that's going to be impressive given given that your main mission is never forgetting never leaving anybody behind so to speak right you do a lot on the national level especially to affect legislation toward that end and, and toward other veterans' interests. Right. On a chapter level, you're mainly Sullivan County. You have how many members now? We have 32 right now. 32. You started with 10. Yeah. It's at one point, we were down to five. And you meet with the Sullivan County Veterans Coalition and the legislature, Sullivan County legislature, periodically, right? Yeah, once a month. And how, how effective is your partnership with the legislature and the Veterans Coalition in, in meeting your mission and doing things for veterans? Uh, we work very closely with the Veterans Coalition. Um, we go to the meetings every month. And um, as a matter of fact, I'm the uh, chairman of the uh, vetting committee when it comes to a veteran who needs help. I have a committee, and we get together, and we interview them. He makes out an application. We decide whether, uh, you know, how much we can help him and what we can do, whether it be money-wise or uh, guidance. The legislature's been uh, very good to us. Um, they're always behind whatever we want to do. Uh, we're, we're bringing the wall in. In September, and they've, they're really standing behind us with that, with any help that uh, we possibly need. They're willing to help us out. Well, that would be the American Veterans Traveling Tribute Wall, right? Right. And that's a replica of the Vietnam Memorial in D.C.? Right. As I recall, it's like 360 feet long. Um, I think so. I don't have the dimensions right it now. Is. But yeah, yep, it's it is. Yeah, about that. Trust, trust me. <laughs> you researched. <laughs> yeah, and it's we've been we've been talking about it regularly on the show because we want to keep uh, updates. Okay, and and Rolling Thunder, your chapter, probably will be playing a a role in the escort from Woodburn to Rock Park and Rock Hill on the 10th of September, correct? Right, yeah. Uh, Rolling Thunder's in charge of the uh, escort. Mm -hmm. And what does that involve? What does the escort involve? Well, keeping everything uh, organized. Motorcycles go first, and we're going to have a lot of fire trucks. And uh, anybody who wants to uh, bring their cars or whatever, they're more than welcome. We're going to uh, line up at the QWL building on Riverside Drive between the two prisons of Woodburn. And uh, 
We're slowly going to go from there to uh, through 42 on to 17 and down into uh, 109, exit 109, into Rock Hill. Okay. You're not going through Monticello? Uh, yes, we are. We're oh, going yeah. to, yeah. Okay. Um, when, off of 42, we're going to get on 17 um, and go up to exit 104 and then come down through Monticello. Through the main street. Yeah, through okay. the main street and uh, back on the highway at the other end of town. Okay. That's going to be a very memorable. Event. Uh, it's going to be quite a thing. Yep. And do you have any other any other activities your your chapter is planning around that time frame? No, we just do our uh, regular stuff that we do. Um, a lot of organizations. My my friend and your friend John Crotty has been quoted by me twice. <laughs> is saying we are raising a generation of bystanders. And in general, um, how is that affecting Rolling Thunder? Are you seeing uh, younger generations coming in? And what what are you doing to promote that? Well, um, Rolling Thunder now has a junior membership. Uh, we just, um, my daughter just earned her way into um, a, a junior membership. She's 13. And uh, we'd like to bring in younger folks to help out, even if they are 13 years old. They, there's a lot of things they can do. They uh, Hopefully, once they get in and they like it, then they will continue as they get older. But right now, um, it's mainly, I would say, people over 50 years old in our chapter. I don't think we have anybody any younger. Sounds like this radio station. <laughs> so what is a typical year like? for Chapter 4 of Rolling Thunder in New York State? Well, we're busy. Um, we visit the veterans in the nursing homes. Um, we This year we gave uh, the veterans in Roscoe Nursing Home uh, sweatshirts with our logo on, and they were thrilled. We buy Christmas presents and um, visit them periodically. We go to all the veterans' events, POW, MIA Day, um, Memorial Day, uh, Veterans Day. I usually do a speech at the Government Center. You mentioned before when we were getting ready to do this interview that you guys often participate in military funerals. Yeah. Um, my husband belongs to the Patriot Guard. and um, That would be Jim Senate. Right. And he's the president of your chapter, correct? Right, yeah. They go to military funerals and uh, stand guard, um, honor guard, and uh, he goes all over. So um, the Patriot Guard is actually another discrete organization? Right, right. Okay. How many members do they have? I have no idea. No. <laughs> That's a local organization? Yeah. Uh, not really. It's uh, it's um, Hudson Valley, I think, isn't it? Hudson, Hudson mm -hmm. Valley uh area. Yeah, one of the things that's impressed me, um, I'm from Orange County, and until I started working here, I didn't know much about this area. And as I got into talking to people about veterans issues, you know, John Crotty and the VA and ATI and um, some of the other folks, I was impressed the fact that it's, I guess because it's a relatively small area, 
terms of people and organizations that there's a an informal agreement amongst the organizations. It's not like if a vet comes to one for help, it's not just, okay, um, go over there and call so-and-so. Don't bother me. It's a warm handoff. He knows when he sends somebody to somebody else for help that they're going to get something. Do you find it that way as well? Yeah, yeah, that's what we try to do. Um, a lot of times uh, we'll share expenses with the uh, Veterans Coalition. If there's um, like car repairs or something that need to be done, we'll chip in some money. We, we try to all work together yep. and help each other out. Well, I think you're doing a, a, a splendid uh, job of it. Thank from you. What I can see. If somebody wants to join, who do they call? Well, they could call me. I have the applications. Um, you just fill out the application. You don't need to be a veteran. As a matter of fact, a lot of our members aren't veterans. We have a lot of women that join. And uh, you just make out the application and have it notarized and give it back to me, and I send it international, and uh, you're all set to go. So what's your phone number if somebody wants to get in touch with you? It's 845-482-9983. It's Joy Sennett and her husband Jim who uh, basically shepherd Chapter 4 of Rolling Thunder. Thank you very much. Thank you. This is WJFF Jeffersonville, your community radio station, and you're listening to Let's Talk Vets. And I am your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Nice to have you. Thanks for stopping by. So 9-11 was a beautiful day in Rock Hill. It was very much like the day 18 years ago when the cowardly attacks were perpetrated on our country. It was a day of remembrance, a, a day of reflection, a day of healing for many in attendance. It was also a reminder of the similarities shared by veterans and first responders, whether on a battlefield far away or here at home, and the effects which linger much too long afterward. Here are some of the excerpts from the opening ceremony at Rock Hill, which welcomed this healing display to Sullivan County. see terrorists. They can destroy buildings, they can kill people, and we will 
be saddened by this tragedy, but they will never be allowed to kill the spirit of democracy. They cannot destroy our society. They cannot destroy our belief in the democratic way. I can hear you. The rest of the world hears you. We are grateful to the many nations who are standing with us tonight. Together we will defeat this most insidious of threats. We will be fierce in the defense of our ideals. Our way of life is a great deal stronger and will last a great deal longer than the actions of fanatics small in number and now facing a unified world against them. People should have confidence. This is a battle with only one outcome. Our victory, not theirs. You can be sure that as terrible a day as this is for us, we will get through it because we are a strong nation, a nation that believes in itself. Freedom and fear are at war. The advance of human freedom, the great achievement of our time, and the great hope of every time, now depends on us. Our nation, this generation, will lift a dark threat of violence from our people and our future. Hardship and heartbreak are not new to us. We Americans have endured great challenge and struggle, yet none has ever broken us. Our greatness in times of trouble is what distinguishes us as a nation. Let us choose to oppose any action which gives comfort or rest to those that help to precipitate this great tragedy. We honor the fallen with unity and the support of action which brings justice. Thank you. Please welcome Chief Brian Soller from the Rock Hill Fire Department. Good evening. On behalf of the officers and members of the Rock Hill Fire Department, I'd like to welcome you all to Rock Park. For the last 18 years, the Monticello and the Wurtsboro Fire Departments have hosted 9-11 memorial services. I'd like to thank them both for allowing us to host this year's ceremony in coordination with the Sullivan County Veterans Coalition and the arrival of the Vietnam Memorial Wall. I'd like to express our gratitude to everybody uh, who's been involved in this great undertaking for bringing us to this day. And I thank you all for being here. Thank you, Chief. I'd like to call on Dolores Sheely here to my right. The pledge to the flag. Salute. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Dolores. Next, 
Um, if I could call your attention to the tent um, to my left, uh, Joanna Goss from White Lake, who will be singing the national anthem. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed in the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight all the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rocket's red glare the bombs bursting in air gave proof through the night that our flag was still there Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave for the land of the free and the home of the Thank you, Joanna. Next, the Honorable Mark Meadow. Today we gather for a united purpose. That is to honor all those who perished as a result of the Vietnam War and also for all those who died or who suffered injuries as a result of the attacks on September 11, 2001. We also recognize and offer comforting words to all the family members who have been impacted by these events. The tragic events of 9-11 impacted people of all different races, nationalities, and religions, and we stand united today in our prayer for all who have suffered and for our nation. Regardless of your religion, we ask for our continuing prayers from our divine creators as we remember the events of 9-11 in Vietnam and look forward to our future where we could all stand united as one community and one nation. For all these reasons, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Judge. Um, next, our first guest speaker this evening is the director of the Putnam County Veterans Agency, a Silver Star recipient, um, Carl Rohde, Putnam County Director, Putnam County Veterans. Okay, I, I, I'm really honored that I was asked to, to come here. This is the fifth time that I've been asked to speak in front of the wall. We, we've had it down in Putnam County five times. Turn. Uh, when I woke up this morning, I was a little apprehensive about speaking about Vietnam veterans on 9-11 um, because this is such a special, not a special, a sacred day for us, um, for, for all of America. And then I started thinking, well, you know, as Vietnam veterans, we didn't get welcomed back that nice. We were almost forgotten, but we made sure we wouldn't with the, a beautiful wall now that travels around. And these firefighters, first responders, are going to make sure that 9-11 isn't forgotten. And that's important. We can't forget these events. You can't change history. 
Just That's just a fact. So now my remarks begin. Several times it has been my distinct honor and privilege to stand before this monument to honor my 58,272 comrades. This may well be my farewell address in front of the wall, not because of my impending demise, but because it's time to move on. It is time to honor the warriors who came after us. It's also time for the next generation to take the mantle from us. One day soon, I hope to be sitting in the audience as the warriors who followed us show us how well they learned our lesson. There are a multitude of tales about how bad it was when we came home and the years of disdain that we suffered. However, too many Vietnam veterans dwell on that and make themselves a victim. Perhaps we as Vietnam veterans should look at the positive experiences that we had in returning home. They may have come in odd places. I'm going to share a little story with you. It was with my family several years ago. My, I, I have two kids, a, a, a boy and a girl, one of each kind. And we were down in um, an amusement park in New Jersey that had not Disney characters, Warner Brothers characters. And I was wearing a, a baseball hat where I had my VFW pin on it and the silver star that um, was kindly m mentioned. And Foghorn Leghorn came up to me, you know, the big goofy looking rooster. And he comes up to me, and they're not allowed to talk, these characters. So he pointed to my hat and then pointed to me. Pointed to my hat, pointed to me. I didn't know what he's talking about. So I took my hat off and I saw a silver star. Foghorn Leghorn came to attention and saluted me. That was a special young person. These are the things that Vietnam veterans have to hold on to and have to remember, that there were good things that happened to us. I'm going to tell a tale of three veterans, because the public needs to know about Vietnam veterans. Their experiences are rarely seen in movies and never seen in these video games the kids play. The first veteran I'm going to talk about is a son of Sullivan County, Paul Zilko, my friend. Paul Zilko was a severely wounded Vietnam veteran. He had no right arm, was a stump up to here, only had three fingers on his left hand. But it didn't keep Paul down. He worked hard. He did things. He did things for his community. He did things for veterans. He bragged to everybody that he was the best three-fingered mechanic in all of Sullivan County. But here's what made Paul special. Sometimes, again, it's the little things. The first, my son was about 12 or 13 years old the first time he met Paul. Now, Paul would come up to an adult and go to shake hands. He'd use his left hand. When he came up to my son, he reached over to him with the stump of his right arm. And he said to Carl, it may be short, but it still works. And my son grabbed that stump, probably something like that he's never done before, never touched Somebody had lost a limb, and he touched that and grabbed it, and Paul smiled, cuffed him behind the head, and it was a real learning experience for my son. Well, sadly, Paul was wounded on June 29, 1968, died December 8, 1999, 
for those for, with those wounds, the wounds that he had suffered from finally caught up with him. But here's the thing. His wife, who's sitting in the audience, my sister, although we're not related, but everybody says we're like brother and sister, panel 54, line, panel 54, line 24, go out there before you leave and honor Paul Zilka. He's on the wall. That's something we should be, you should be proud of from Sullivan County. <clears throat> the second guy I'm going to talk about is a guy named Tommy Sepchek, another Vietnam veteran, a buddy of Paul and mine. <clears throat> Tommy was a, um, he had a bunch of odd careers. He was in, after he came back from Vietnam, he was a cab driver in New York City. So Vietnam, cab driver in New York City, then he became a New York City policeman. Tragically, he died in a house fire a few years ago. Actually, September 14th, 2007. But here's the thing with Tommy. I knew Tommy for years. We all knew Tommy for years. We never knew that Tommy had a problem from Vietnam. We never knew he eventually started talking about it, and we learned more about it. The number one thing, he was an armorer over in Vietnam with the Mobile Riverine Forces, 9th Infantry Division. Since he was an armorer, he had tools. What he had to do is when somebody got wounded or died, he had to go, he had to open the locker, he had to pack the stuff up and send whatever was left back to his, their families. He felt guilty the whole time because he had to do that. He was sitting in the rear, safe, untouched by the war, but he had to do that. Felt guilty his entire life. Then he comes home. The 9th Infantry Division was one of the last divisions that were brought home as a whole unit. And they arrive at SeaTac Airport in Seattle, and they look out, and there's hundreds of armed MPs waiting for them. And all the guys said, wow, look at that. They have this big honor guard, honor guard of MPs to welcome us in. No, they weren't honor guards welcoming them in. They were guards to protect them from the protesters that were throwing stuff at the veterans as they returned. This is what Tommy had to live with. This was the guilt that he felt. Wasn't right, shouldn't be right. We should never teach, we should never treat a service member from any war that way. Anybody that did that should be embarrassed with themselves. The next story I'm going to tell real brief is a story about myself. I don't, want to, I don't usually tell stories about myself, but I think it's important, especially for the young people, to understand what it means to be a veteran, what it means to have fought in a war. All you guys know the football player Rocky Blyer played for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was wounded in Vietnam. His unit had been pinned down for about... Five days, nine guys dead, several guys severely wounded. My unit was asked to go in there and help extract Rocky Blyer's unit. He was a big SOB we had to carry out. I mean, I got to you know, remember that part. But we were there, and, and along the trail that led to the, the helicopter where we were rescuing them, the guys, there were soldiers who had been killed. Some of them had been out there in the jungle for five to six days 
You can just imagine what that smelled like. So we're carrying this sergeant along on a litter that we had made from bamboo and wrapped a um, poncho around it. And every once in a while, our hands would get a little wet and we'd lay the wounded soldier down. We didn't want to jostle him. We didn't want him to, to, to suffer anymore. And when I laid the sergeant down, I was by his head. He reached up and grabbed me by my jacket and pulled me close to him. Our faces were like that. And this is right next to one of his dead soldiers. And he says to me in a hoarse whisper, Do you smell that? Do you smell that? Yeah, Sarge, I do. You know what that is? Now, I didn't know what I was going to say to him. And he said, That's the best smell in the world. I said, Oh, Jesus. What and then he says, That's a dead Vietnamese soldier. He lost all his strength fell back on the litter, we carried him to the um, helicopter to be medevaced away. He had no idea that was one of his own soldiers. I wasn't going to tell him that. I was going to let him think that it was a dead Vietnamese soldier. To this day, I don't know that sergeant's name. I don't know if he survived his wounds. I don't know if he had the opportunity to come back to this country and stand in front of the wall like this and make a speech. I don't know. Those are my three stories about veterans. My comrades on the wall have worse stories than mine because they did not survive. And for the most part, and you can ask my wife, I'm okay. I'm going to shift gears for the conclusion, which is going to be a little bit different than the rest of the speech. And I promise I'm not going to keep you here much longer. We're at Normandy American Cemetery and Memorial. It's the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan. 70-year-old Private Ryan is rushing through the cemetery trying to find something. His family followed behind him. Finally, he finds a gravesite. He stands there, tears welling in his eyes. As the tears well in his eyes, if you remember this scene, I'm not going to relive, I'm not going to talk all about Saving Private Ryan, although I could, but we don't have enough time here. But what happens is his eyes glaze over as he's looking at this one particular grave marker. The whole panorama of his piece of the war played out, and the whole story of Saving Private Ryan was then what we were presented. The opening and closing scenes are universal. The scenes be part of a movie about the Civil War, the Trojan War, or any war in history. Now we're back in Normandy, American Cemetery. Standing in the same place, his wife walks over to him. Seventy-year Ryan never takes his eyes off the grave mark. Everything he says when talking to his wife, he's talking to the grave marker. The grave marker the man who died rescuing him. He asked his wife, was I a good man? Did I lead a good life? Why is that important? Why is it poignant? Why does it matter? Why is it universal? Simply put, war for your soldier is other people. The soldier, the sailor, the marine, the airman, the coast guardman do not give a rat's rectal material about the overall strategic, strategic plans. War to soldiers, sailors, marines, and airmen and coast guardmen is other people. 
not the enemy, but the comrades, they share that piece of the war that they are part of. War is other people, your comrades. Seventy-year-old Ryan was not looking for solace from his wife or his family. He was looking for solace from his comrades who did not return. Those whose names are engraved on the wall did not set out to lose their lives, certainly. They did, however, go forward, understanding that there was a good chance they may not come back. The following are some voices of some who received a Purple Heart. Their comments, I think, serve to illustrate the resolve of those who wrote a blank check upon enlisting back by the account of their lives. that I've done my job, I've served my country, that it, it makes me prouder of who I am, the, what my service has done for this country. It's an honor to wear it, and uh, I wear it for the guys that aren't here. Being awarded the Purple Heart, uh, had, it was kind of bittersweet for me. Uh, there was a lot of survivor guilt uh, that I experienced. Served my country, and I spilt my blood, and uh, it, it, it feels good. It, it really feels good uh, to know that I was there when they needed me, you know, and I did my, and I did my very best. That Purple Heart, uh, it's the medal that no one wants to receive because you got to get wounded to get it. Uh, but once you have it, uh, that medal means the world to me. I am proud of that Purple Heart because it means that I put myself on that line. I protected America. We spoke with a number of veterans on site at the memorial to capture their thoughts about the war and the wall in general. Here are those comments for you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And uh, what was your name, sir? Tony Wayne. And uh, what branch did you serve in? When did you serve? And where did you serve? 19th Combat Engineer at the Army, 68 and 69. How long were you in country? Six months to the day. Okay. Um, what's your impression of this wall? It's unbelievable. It's got everybody's name. It's, un it's unbelievable. Did you find anybody that you knew on the wall? Alan Milk. We were looking for him special. Yeah, he's one of the 12 that we identified from Sullivan County. Right. So, Where, where do you live? Fremont Center. Fremont Center. Went to school with Alan Milk, too. Oh, did you? Yeah. Okay. So uh, have you been to the wall in Washington? No. Would you? Uh, one of the vets expressed, he said uh, yesterday, he said, I never went because I didn't know if I could handle it, but he said, now that I've been here, I think I can do it. You don't, I, I could go down there, but it wouldn't bother me. But yeah. the, my problem is going for a long ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that many sore spots from the Vietnam War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have a, a Purple Heart or more? Purple Heart, that's it. Have you been to the Purple Heart Hall of Honor in New Windsor? No, but my name's in there. Yeah. It's a beautiful facility. You should go there. 
Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's your name, sir? Uh, where did you serve? When and for how long? My name is John Rada. I served in the Republic of Vietnam in Quang Loi, Phuc Vinh, Song Bay, Tain In, June of 69 to June of 70. What was your job? I was Medical Service Corps officer in charge of about 20 medics for the entire battalion. What's your impression of, of the wall here? It brings back memories that uh, I want to, to remember. Uh, things that happened back then, it's very stirring. Have you been to the one in Washington? Yes, I have. Uh, this is better because it's on home, t- home territory. It's not down in Washington where uh, everything is different down there. Where do you live? I live in Woodridge. Oh, okay, right around the corner. Yes. Yep. Well, thank you for talking to us, and uh, we appreciate you. Thank you for your service. You're quite welcome. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. What's your name, sir? My name is Dennis Burnett. And where did you serve, branch of service, and when? I served in the Army. I served in Chu Lai, Vietnam in 1967-68. How long were you there, about a year? Or? A little over a year. Okay, were you in the field? At times, yes. Wow. Let's step back underneath here. It's raining. Okay, there we go. So what is your feeling about this display? Well, this display is the second time, actually the third time I've seen the traveling wall. I've never gone to the wall in Washington. I don't know if I could bring myself there, but I'm enjoying this kind of hearing. I think it's a much less somber situation for me, which I don't want to get that bad on. I have my feelings. I have a local boy here, Alan Milk, who uh, served, knew him very well, and uh, that's the reason I come here, basically. So, okay. It's a pretty amazing display. when you, If you could see it, for our folks in radio, this thing is 360 feet long, and it's two-thirds the size of the, of the one, one in D.C. Mm-hmm. 58,300 names? At least, anyway. Something like and that. And counting, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. And uh, we made your radio start today. All righty. Thank you. <laughs> so we're having a conversation with a gentleman that's better known as Rocky Ortega of the Sullivan County Vets Coalition. Good morning, Rock. Good morning. Nice to see you, Doug. Rock's a little under the weather, so we're not going to hold him that long. Um, I wanted to get his impressions as an individual, as a Vietnam vet, about the wall. Rock, what's your overall feeling as a vet about that wall, and how did it make you feel? Well, for any Vietnam veteran, the wall is sacred ground. Even if it's a a replica of the wall, as we had here in uh, Rock Hill, we still consider it sacred ground. Those 58,000 names on that wall are all our friends and, uh, you know, buddies that we lived with for a year of war. Um, Overall, I have to say the whole event uh, went off almost hitchless, almost smoothless. Uh, We had a couple little glitches here and there, you know, the caravan got split in two at one point, and uh, the rain, of course, that came down on uh, Saturday parade day was, you know, made the crowd a little smaller, but 
all in all, I'm going to rate this a success. I think uh, everything came out fine. I'm very happy with the, the attendance and the school kids and everybody who came to visit the wall. So. Yeah, say a little bit about that, uh, about the school kids that uh, participated. I thought that that was a good move, and it was pretty impressive to make sure that young people understand what's going on. Yeah, well, from the very beginning, uh, Doug, you attended many of the meetings. You know that we've been trying to pitch this thing as a community event where the community, the Sullivan County residents could all get involved in some way. I was very happy. I reached out to all the school districts and spoke to the superintendents and uh, a good four districts sent schools. I know BOCI sent like four classes, Liberty, uh, Roscoe, Livingston Manor. Uh, Tri-Valley. Tri-Valley was very good. Got to give a shout-out to Tri-Valley Bands and Choir who came and performed that Thursday evening for us, Thursday afternoon for us, excuse me. Uh, it, it was just a, a good event. Uh, we had we got the Boy Scouts, Troop 101 from Rock Hill involved. They were there for our ceremonies and helped us out a good deal. And, you know, you just can't say enough about my veterans that volunteered and were there hour after hour helping people locate uh, names on the wall, which is a very uh, emotional thing to do, you know. A uh, couple of little stories. We had one guy who drove, uh, Afghan veteran, drove 10 hours from Virginia to stand guard with his Vietnam father, Vietnam veteran father. That was, you know. And they did an overnight shift together. So you had father and son, two different wars, but they're together. I, I also had a, 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 almost weird incidents where I had one guy come in and ask me to locate a name on the wall. I went to our computer and located the name. Now, two minutes later, another person walks in and asks me for the same name. I said, you know, this guy over there, and I pointed to the guy who had just stepped out of the, uh, the the shed there that we were using. The guy over there just asked for the same name. These three individuals went to high school together. Both guys that survived came back and were looking for his, their third buddy. Mm. And the two guys who met there at the wall hadn't seen each other for 30 years, so they reunited. And it's stories like these, these little background stories that make it all worthwhile. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. The, the, the pathos, the emotions are there. So it's, it's a great, great thing. You know, I haven't been to D.C. to see the wall, but um, very impressive. Look, thanks a lot for everything you did, and um, thanks for spending some time with us on the radio. Well, Doug, I want to thank you in particular because you were there in my committee meetings right from the very start, and I want to thank the guys at uh, JFF. They've been supporting us from the very beginning on this, so uh, congratulations to you guys, and uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay. Sullivan County Veterans Coalition also identified 12 Native sons whose names are enshrined on the wall. Boy Scouts of Troop 101, Rock Hill laid wreaths by each of these sons of Sullivan as they received individual honor and recognition. The Sullivan County heroes are Michael Joseph Galbraith, Spec 4, U.S. Army, Liberty, New York. Alan Arlen Milk, Spec 4, U.S. Army, Long Eddy, New York. John Calvin Crawford, Lieutenant, U.S. Navy, Monticello, New York. James Vaness Muller, Spec 5, U.S. Army, Bloomingburg, New York. Frank Edward Stokes, Private First Class, U.S. Army, Monticello, New York. Andrew Carl Brutcher, Sergeant, U.S. Army, Smallwood, New York. 
Jerry Brian Evans, PFC, U.S. Marine Corps, Wurtsboro, New York, William Robert, Yaskanik, Lance Corporal, United States Marines, Wurtsboro, New York, Dennis Ackerley, PFC, U.S. Army, Gramsville, New York, Charles Coberline, Seaman, U.S. Navy, Swan Lake, New York, Harold Faldemeyer, Captain, U.S. Army, Rockland, New York, and Paul Zoko, Spec 4, U.S. Army. We wish to acknowledge the following people and organizations that made this show possible. The Sullivan County Veterans Coalition, the Purple Heart Hall of Honor, the Rock Hill Volunteer Fire Company, the vets who shared their stories with us, Bold Gold Media Group, and the public who came to honor our fallen heroes and was so generous as to make this happen. Thank you for joining us again on Let's Talk Vets. Please let your friends know about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so that we may get them on the air, both in regular public service rotation and on this program. Until next time, this is Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg wishing you well, and tonight we leave you with this. My stone is red for the blood they shed. The medal I bear is my country's way to show they care. If I could be seen by all mankind, maybe peace will come in my lifetime. Support comes from you and from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com. Support comes from you and from Wayne Memorial Hospital and Wayne Memorial Health System, more than 200 health care providers serving residents in Wayne, Pike, and eastern Lackawanna counties in Pennsylvania and the upper Delaware region of New York State, wmh.org. And this is WJFF Jeffersonville and W233AH Monticello Community Radio for the Catskills, Sullivan County in Northeast Pennsylvania, and streaming always online at WJFFradio.org. It is one minute to eight o'clock here in Jeffersonville, 58 degrees and fair, mostly clear tonight with a low of 39 overnight. Tomorrow, sunny, Friday, sunny, Saturday, and Sunday, all sunny. Highs going from the 70s uh, tomorrow all the way up to 80 on Saturday, mostly clear overnight. Both of those nights, all three of those nights, lows in the 50s. Stay tuned right now for Neonatal Pulse, all new music for the next two hours with me, Bradman, right here once again on WJFF 90.5 FM. Support comes from Rafters Tavern, Calicoon, New York, an intimate gathering place for food, music, and fun. Rafters Tavern on Facebook.
Support comes from you and from the Law Office of John Ferrara in Monticello, New York, providing legal services in the areas of matrimony. Support comes from you and from the Law Office of John Ferrara in Monticello, New York, providing legal services in the areas of matrimonial and family law and criminal defense. John.Ferrara 4-4.